And the fellowship of Christian athletes <clears throat> is in all of these high schools everywhere. And they're in junior highs. And they usually have a coach or somebody that's a Christian that starts it. And so they can, they can legally be in there because of the way they align with the educational system. And it gives them an opportunity. So he's going to all the schools with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and Bible uh, clubs. And he's getting in them. And he's going to the teachers. And he finds the teachers that are Christians. And he ignites them and gets them to back it. And they go uh, uh, and get every facility and every door open for him. He's got so many schools he's backed up. He's unreal. And he's got a group of 12 people. And they jump in cars and they drive to different cities. And when they get there, the, all of these... Guys and gals, they're all like bouncing off the walls with Jesus. Crazy wild. They all want to be martyrs. Come on, can you imagine that? Did you know that when Jesus chose his disciples, he only chose the ones that would be a martyr? Weren't they all martyred? Anybody believe in martyrdom? God, you guys are looking at me like, that's not God. It better be because all the prophets, all the apostles, and, 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 and 40 million people in the dark ages were put to death for the name of Jesus Christ and the bold preaching of the gospel. 40 million on planet earth right now yearly. 300,000 people a year give their life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're killed because of their belief. Oh, well, that's not America. Well, just right up here in Roseburg, about uh, eight months ago or something like that. Remember? How many of you remember? They lined up Christians and said, are you a Christian? Lined all these people up. You a Christian? Yes. Boom. Killed them because they're Christians. In our college campus right here in America, I'm on a roll now. Everybody say martyrdom. If you don't believe in martyrdom, then you don't believe in being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, Jesus, this is the words of Jesus, tarry in Jerusalem, wait in Jerusalem, wait there, wait upon me, until you are endued with power from on high, and you will be my witnesses. Go look up the word witness. The Greek word for witness there is martus. And the actual meaning of it is martyr. Everybody say martyr. Martyr. Oh, this is going over like a wet noodle. I feel like I stepped in a hole. The floor keeps sinking under my feet. You guys out there. Yes. Do you not believe in martyrdom? How many believe you have to die daily or else self-life will take over? That is a martyr. I'm a living martyr. I have to be. Or I can't live on planet Earth and really serve Jesus. I'll take on another Jesus, another gospel, and another belief system, and even another spirit... And I will walk in something that is deceptive and it will fool me into thinking I'm okay, you're okay, we're okay when we're not because we don't believe the true gospel of Jesus Christ which requires everyone who wants to follow Jesus to take up their cross, deny their self daily and die to self. Do I hear an amen? Well, I was crucified. Well, I died in Jesus. You sure did. That's the only way you can do it now. Is by reckoning to be so. By the power of the Holy Spirit. The denial of the selfish dictate.
dictates of the flesh. You know, when the Holy Spirit moves on you, He will give you impulses. Isn't that sweet? I felt an impulse. I like that word. But the flesh always will dictate. Spirits of darkness and demons, they will dictate. You've got to have them. Do it now. Oh, you can't miss this moment. Think how good it will be. You can't. No, you've got to do it. Feel it raging in you? You can't say no. Go ahead, say it, say it. Okay, I will. I can't take this no more. Give in to who you really are. That has to be nailed to the cross daily by reckoning yourself dead indeed unto self and alive unto Christ. Aren't you glad for that? So this gospel of the cross is so powerful. It's so powerful. I'm going to preach a real quick message to you about false prophets. Okay? Everybody say, ah, that's exciting. I can't wait. First John 4, verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Everybody say spirit. Do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now take the word spirit and put the word prophet and put them together. Prophets are spirits. That's what their ministry is. That's what their life is. That true prophets live according to Holy Spirit and they want to be led by Holy Spirit in everything they do, and they live according to the presence, and beyond that, into the anointing of the Holy Spirit. By the way, the anointing and the presence are two different things. The presence of God is what we all want. How many feel the presence here tonight? How many have been enjoying it? Where's Don? Where's Don? You, oh, he's still feeling the presence. I think a lot of us are. We're still feeling the presence. The presence is wonderful. But when the anointing hits him, and when the anointing, when he stands up, and something happens, and he turns to somebody, and wham, something comes out of him, that's the anointing. The anointing is for others. The presence is for you. You won't have the anointing if you don't get in the presence. You can have all nine gifts of the Spirit and have no anointing. As a matter of fact, you can move in prophecy and even heal the sick and do miracles and be in sin. And the anointing won't flow. Something will because you'll feel a presence. And you'll say, God's with me even though I'm in sin. Of course He is. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. How many ever feel like God's left you? Come on, tell the truth. Come on. If, if, am I the only one here? <laughs> and I said that to him. Young on in the Lord. I said, God, I don't get it. You come and go. You come and go. You come and go. I love your presence, but then you leave me. Why do you leave me? He says, I've never left you, and I will never forsake you. I said, Phew. I can't feel you. There's no tangible substance, no tangible anointing, no... 
God, I love to feel you. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Because I'm a really a feeler. I, I can feel everything. 40 miles away, I know what's going on with stuff. Around the other side, I really do. It's just... And then the developed nowhere inside of you can know volume of information in a tenth of a second. You can know tons of stuff. And you don't even have a language for it yet. Yeah, then you have to say, oh my God, run to the Bible. I got this called. I got some questions. And you start looking and God gives you the answers from the Word. The Word of God. It's what prevails. It's what causes you to begin to see, perceive, understand, and have the power of the Word coming and declared out of your mouth. And then the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes. Because His Word and His Spirit always agree. Everybody say His Word and Spirit agree. Now, any Word and His Spirit doesn't work. It has to be a covenantal Word. A blood Word. Because only the Word, the Spirit, and the blood can accomplish anything. It takes these three. Because they represent the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Do I hear an Amen? It's a covenantal Word. It's a Word that's covenantal. Do you know covenantal words cannot be broken? Do you know they're not maybe so, hope so, think so, sometime, well maybe, or this is my opinion, they're none of them. Ooh. Let him who speaks and gives forth an utterance of God Speak as an oracle of God Himself. That's also in First Peter. Many false prophets have gone out into the world. You've got to try the spirits. Because prophets are spirits. Their spirits are highly developed to... And as they mature, it fuses into their soul. And their soul begins to mind... Everybody say mind. Will emotions, imaginations, intuitions, and memories. Write those down. Those six things. That's what you're made out of. Six is the number of man. You're complete in Christ. That's seven. Your spirit, man, infuses all of that and creates the seven or the rest. when you walk in works that were created before time began. It's when you're moving with God in predestined things that already happened in the heart and the mind of God and was created in Christ Jesus. You are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. That you may walk in those works, listen, that were created before time began. I'm quoting scriptures, Timothy and Ephesians. Look up the address. I know the street. Before time began. And when you step into that, total, it's none of you and all of Him. You can truly cease to live your own life. I'm crucified in Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live 
in my flesh body, I live by the faith of what? Of who? The faith of who? What do you mean you don't have much faith? You live by the faith of the Son of God. And He has moved inside of your house. And you've become His body. His member in particular in the big body of which Jesus is the head and we are the members in particular called the body of Christ or one new man made up of Jew and Gentile. What's a Gentile? Everything that's not a Jew. And when you accept Yeshua, you're neither Jew nor Gentile. But a new species, a new creation. You become a part, not of the first Adam any longer. The first Adam was put to death in Christ, crucified. When you received Jesus and the Spirit of God stepped inside of you, because that's what happened. And you went, and you were raptured and went straight to the throne of grace. And he raised you up together and made you to be seated together with him in heavenly places. You literally were raptured. You went to him. You stood there before him. You sat down with him in the throne. He infused you. You were in a moment of timelessness. And eternal things took place. And you were infused with everything for your future. And everything in your past was cut off, redeemed, recreated, and somehow will be turned to the good if you but love God and fulfill His purpose. Shaka-ta-ta-rimaka. You will never know your identity in Christ by knowing who you are in Christ. You will never know it. You must know it, not by just knowing who you are in Christ. You must know the Christ that's in you. That changes your whole concept of what your spirit man is. I tell you what, there's a fire in this gospel of the kingdom. There's a fire in this gospel of Jesus. Well, don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. Well, glory be to God forevermore. Now I'm quoting Kenneth Hagin. I like him. I like all of them. All of them have stuff I like. Joel is one of the most encouraging people I've ever met in my life. Joel Osteen. He can use some other stuff. But what he's doing, he's getting an A plus in. Because he can encourage you like no other televangelist I know. And that is what he is, by the way. He's an evangelist. I wish he'd get the cross in there a little more. But I hear it's preached all over the place in his church. 
But on camera, they, you don't really get to know somebody. Like you'll never know the trumpet. By what you see on TV. You'll never know the cruise. Until you cruise around with him. You'll never know Marco. Until you found his mark. You have to understand. We've got to hear God's voice in these days. We can name some others. Bernie and Hillary. How many know there's some demons running for president? (laughs) (laughs) Now said, moving right along. Many false prophets have gone out into the world. Many false prophets. Try the spirits. Every spirit. Do not believe every spirit. For many false prophets. Prophets, spirits. Spirits, prophets. Prophets are called to train people in spiritual things. Their three main gift is the word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits. As far as the nine gifts of the spirit go, many of them will move them, all of them. But there will be a specific ability in word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. They're called the revelation gifts because prophets are people of revelation or the ability to look into, experience, and carry the spiritual aspect of the kingdom of God. And false ones (laughs) are just prophets that got on the wrong road and went the wrong direction and became those who started manifesting the wrong spirit. And it begins by manifesting their own desires and their own ambitions and their own dreams and telling people about their own dreams instead of a dream from the Lord, and interpreting things and exaggerating, and building false visions and false dreams into something that is not the Lord. And it can be highly spiritual, and it can really look like God. And it can lead people astray. Well, that went over like a wet noodle too. Well, I want to be real careful. Relax a little bit. There's many levels. There's four levels, basically four levels to the, the prophetic ministry. And the first two levels are levels where the way you learn about them is by practicing everything you can imagine that has to do with prophetic giftedness. You practice it and you share it. And you, in levels one and two, you're supposed to make lots of mistakes. You're supposed to. Because you don't know anything about it. And you're learning. If you're mentored correctly, if you're around the right kind of pastoring or spiritual fathering or prophetic mentoring and all that stuff, you can miss out on a whole lot of missing it and get targeted and get specific and get focused real quick. And some people are highly gifted. Their whole makeup is created by God to be 
highly sensitive to the spirit world because they're called into it before they're born. It can be in their family line. It can be generational. With me, it's generational. I know my grandmother, my mother, my dad, myself. I've gone back into my family history, clear back to the, <laughs> the Kentucky revivals. And from there, clear into Connecticut and people that signed the Constitution with my last name. And relatives and bloodlines. And I've seen it all. I've gone back to Europe, gone clear back to the 11th century. And then I went and seen Paul Cox. Anybody ever heard of Paul Cox? Raise your hand. Can you? Paul Cox is a, he has a healing ministry, and he goes into the healing of people's souls. And he goes into your past, and he took me clear back to Joseph. Joseph, remember? Egypt, Pharaoh, Joseph. That Joseph, he took me clear back to Egypt. And Joseph. And he told me things about my family line. That he couldn't have possibly known or said the things he did without the Holy Spirit really taking him there. Highly spiritual guy. Highly anointed. Highly loves the Bible. Loves the Word of God. If you don't love the Bible and you're prophetic, I'm going to watch you like a hawk. Because if you don't love the Bible, you don't love Jesus. Don't you dare get mad at me. If you love me, you will keep my words, Jesus said. He is called the Word made flesh for a reason. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth without form and void, darkness and was on the face of the waters. The Holy Spirit brooded. God, Holy Spirit, on the face of the waters. And God, what? What did He do then? He said. He spoke. The Word came forth. Let there be. And He put it all together. And that was Jesus. He is the light. Of the, how many know He's the light of the world? So you see Father, Son, Holy Spirit. First three verses of the book of Genesis. The Bible, the Word of God, the Scripture. I'll go, so I'll, I'll, I'm out there kind of tonight. Even the ancient scrolls and other writings have some really good stuff in them. That doesn't mean I'm saying they're equivalent or you should believe everything that's in them. Because some of them are highly questionable, even defiled. How many read other men's and women's books today and go into bookstores and buy their books? Do you love them? Are you affected by them? Did they help you? Well, that's the way ancient scrolls are. Books like Enoch and Jasher and um, Jubilees, the book of Jubilees. Those kind of books carry incredible stuff. They'll help you. They'll bring you to spiritual enlightenment. But if somebody tells me that's their book and that's all they do and they don't love the Word of God or they say this is equivalent and actually is true or Scripture, I'm going to be like this with them. Ooh. False prophets take people off of the most important things that has to do with the Word. The Spirit of God. The revelation of who Jesus Christ is. What is He really like? Is Jesus just a super nice guy? 
That's all he ever is. And he never does anything but just do nice things to you. Is Jesus good all the time? Yes, he is. He can do, and he's good, and he can do things that you would call bad. And when he's doing them, they're good. Do you ever read about Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist? Remember when the angel appeared to him and told him he's going to have a son and his name would be called John? And he started arguing with the angel and got all in doubt and unbelief. What did the angel do to him? What? Zipped his lip. I like that one. He shut his mouth. He became dumb. He couldn't talk. He couldn't open his mouth to speak until after the child was born. Do you know why he did that? You know, angels don't do anything without being told. Because Jesus said to him, zip his lip. Because he's speaking all of this unbelief and stuff and opening the doors to demonic activity. Because Zechariah is one of the high priestly order in the temple and he's in his course doing his priestly duties. He's got authority and the things he says will come to pass in the nation of Israel. Good, bad, or ugly. We know that's true because the priest of e- called Eli and Hannah, Samuel the prophet's mother, was in there weeping and crying for a baby. And he came over and said, Woman, quit. what are you doing drunk in church? And she said, I'm not drunk, I'm grieving because I don't have a child and I want a child. And, and, and it says this about Eli. It says he was extremely heavy. He was actually obese. He was blind in his eyes. He had sons that were unruly. He wouldn't discipline them. And they were in the priesthood and they were seducing women at the door and taking their money. And he allowed them to do that and he didn't discipline them or stop them. And you find that Eli was actually cold towards God and backslidden in his heart. And he turned to Hannah and said, one year from this time you'll have your child. And a year from that time she had her child. He prophesied to her and it came to pass. Now, do you know the end of him? He fell over and broke his neck and died. And God said, gave him a prophetic word through Samuel and said, you're backslidden, hardened towards God. You don't discipline your children. You're not keeping the holy ways of God. Your line of family shall be cut off. They'll all die. And you will die. And the priesthood lineage that comes from your family line, which was the main high priest of the nation of Israel, is finished and it will never be again. Somebody said, man, I'm sure glad he's not, God's not like that now. It's kind of amazing how people think that God got saved when Jesus went to the cross. I'll say no more. It's really amazing. False prophets. Beware of them. They're going out into the earth. 
try every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. Oh, I'm a really, I'm a, I'm a, I know I'm going to mess with some people right now. How many believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? How many believes the body that was nailed to the cross, went into the grave, was wrapped in grave clothes, and that body rose from the dead? How many believe He's in that body right now? How many believe that body has flesh and bones? How many believes that body can eat? He ate with them before He went to heaven. He drank wine with them. Unfermented, of course. How many believe the, the resurrected body of Jesus Christ is the same body that walked the earth? There are people that believe that he was given a spiritual body and his other body just dissipated. No. It was infused with glory and changed it right down to the atom. The glory of God is what raised Jesus from the dead. Romans 6, 4. How God raised Jesus Christ from the dead by the glory of the Father. Everybody say glory. Glory. Where's the glory at now? Is it in you? It means there's a resurrection life in you. I mean, people run around trying to raise people from the dead all the time. I would never try to raise somebody from the dead unless God told me to. Only He has the right to decide whether a person is coming back. We can't decide on it and try to move him, them back with our faith. We have to hear a word from God about that. Because faith only comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. And He doesn't do anything except through faith because without faith it's impossible to please Him. And everything that is created and everything that is done in God is done through faith. Well, sometimes He does it through love. Yeah, faith that works by love. Always. God's a God of faith. He saw what he wanted to create. It was inside of him. He communed with it. Fellowship went inside and saw all the universe and all times and all things we don't even imagine. He carried it around inside of him, meditated it, saw it, was totally present with it at all times. And he had not yet created this natural realm out here, the universe, nor the heavenly realm. Where was he? He was, I am. The all-existent one. In need of nothing or no one. He did not do anything he did out of need. He never has. Because that's a poverty spirit. That's why he wants us to know God supplies all of your needs. According to his riches where? Glory. Where? Glory. That doesn't mean up there. It means get in the glory realm and walk there and watch everything start happening. <laughs> 
It's worth it to pay a price. Fasting, prayer, seeking God, whatever kind of thing you got to do to seek God and put Him first, to get in the glory realm, or get the glory realm that's in you, for you to take the inward journey and go into it. Into the kingdom within you. Change out here. And change you out there. We're trying to get God, go God, change I need to love to Trying to get Him to change out here before we let Him change us in here. We're wanting a breakthrough out here in our world and we've never had a breaking. Oh, glory to God. Isn't this gospel fun? And every little recoil in us that says, well, I don't know. That's your flesh. Not your spirit. Your spirit's rejoicing in what I'm preaching. Because I am preaching the word of the Lord from the scripture by the anointing. I'm not doing as good a job as Jesus would or maybe somebody else you know. But I'm preaching this gospel of the kingdom by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And it has power unto salvation. You know, you can get so bold that you seem arrogant. You really can. The boldness of God is amazing. It's unwavering, unhindered, unlimited. It's a knowing that you know that you know that you know. And when you know it, you know it's done. And it's powerful. It's awesome. It's faith that causes that which is invisible to become visible. It goes into your tomorrow, takes it, gets a hold of it, and brings it into your today. It moves you out of the realm of hoping for it, and your hope becomes faith. Because your faith causes substance and evidence right now of what you were hoping for. And suddenly you're not hoping for it anymore. You have it. It's mine. I've got it. And then it starts materializing. Then it must come into being because Creator God has already made it and now He will make it appear. He made it before time began. And if He didn't, He'll create it for you. If it's according to His Word and will. So Bisha what hello map chikitai no uku one day chinako kuape I'ma going to Ohio and enemy's going to pay. I know nothing about Ohio, but I said it. Your state? Shake Dala Mokucha. Take it. Grab it. Run with it. Okay, many false prophets. I'm going to sum this up. It's 841. And uh, I want you to, you're in 1 John 4, right? Go to, go to 1 Peter, if you would, please. Make it 2 Peter. 
chapter 2, verse 1. But there were also false prophets among the... Oh, I have to go back. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whosoever confesseth that Jesus has not come in the flesh are saying that his body that he walked the earth with is not the same body he's in. And he is not really in a flesh body. He is a spirit. And they're out there believers that believe this. There's millions of them. Believe the deception of the Antichrist spirit that the real physical body, the actual physical body that Jesus was in on the earth is now what he's living in and has been for 2,000 years. As a man, only a man could redeem fallen mankind because man caused the fall. So a man had to set it straight. So God became a man. And then the man that he became didn't use all the power of God for any selfish reason to establish himself as God. All he operated in was faith. He operated in the Abrahamic covenant. And he fulfilled the covenant of Moses. He didn't do away with the law. He fulfilled it. Come on, do you hear what I'm saying? You know when you walk in the Spirit, according to Romans 8, it says anyone that walks in the Spirit completely allowing the Holy Spirit and following the promptings of the Holy Spirit, they will fulfill the law of Moses. The law of Moses is perfect. Absolutely perfect. If you try to do it on your own, you're in for all kinds of headaches and sorrow and misery and nobody can do it but Jesus. That's why he came to live in you. To completely fulfill the law. He's been fulfilling the law since he walked the earth. Now he's doing it for other to other people. And sometimes you do perfect things. Anybody ever had a period of time, a day, a week, a month, a year, or whatever, where you walked before God and didn't sin? Anybody how, have you ever had a time when your mind was so clear and so one with God that you didn't sin in your thoughts? The temptation came and it struck down immediately and you just it had no place in you. You were fulfilling the law. The law is perfect. It's perfection. The holy law of Moses. We better really pray to keep the law of Moses in the land, you guys. Because according to the teachings of Paul and Peter and James and John and Jesus himself, sinners can't turn to the Lord unless there's a schoolmaster, unless there's a mentor trains them to come after the gospel. And that schoolmaster is the law. Because it constantly points out everything you can't do. And brings you to a place no matter how hard you try or what you do, you can't get it right. And you go, woe is me. I'm undone. I've got to have a Savior. Jesus, there's got to be some grace for me. There's got to be something come into my life. 
to save me because I can do nothing to save myself. And then after you get that, you're born again, you walk with Jesus, you still kind of find yourself going through that. Don't you? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever find yourself saying, God, I, I, I don't know how to walk this walk. I can't. Thank God for grace. Amen. Thank God for grace. Amen. Thank God for grace. Whoa. Grace doesn't cover our sins. Grace empowers us to overcome our sins. Did anybody hear what I just said? Yeah, it, it's God, grace brings divine influence on your heart. And your heart changes. That's the first step. <laughs> and then it gives you divine enablement, empowerment within your mind, will, emotions, imaginations, thoughts, your memories. It gives you the ability to change your way of thinking and your way of living. It empowers you to overcome something that used to make you a slave. Everywhere. Everywhere. Constantly. He constantly started every one of his epistles with it. Every place he talked about the glory of God in the New Testament, right next to the glory of God, you'll see the word grace. Or within the same context of Scripture. You know what else you'll find? Suffering. Well, I don't believe in the suffering gospel. Jesus suffered. I don't have to suffer anymore. Right. Yeah, I know you telling me you believe that. And I know that's your confession. But let me follow you around for a while and we'll see. Probably within the first 24 hours or maybe the first hour, we will find out that you need to really step over into your, the grace of God He's given you. How does grace work? Through faith. Through faith only. It only works through faith. It doesn't come on you without faith. Mercy does. Because mercy is God not giving you what you deserve. But grace is God giving you what you didn't deserve. Did you get that? Mercy is God not giving you what you deserve. Aren't you glad for mercy? Oh, mercy, mercy. I'm sure glad the throne of grace is also called uh, the throne of grace where you obtain mercy. Aren't you glad for grace and mercy? But grace, we're saved by grace through faith. It's the gift of God, at least we should boast. What's the gift of God? Grace? No, faith. Faith gives you the ability to enter grace. Without faith, it's impossible. You can't get into the pleasure of the graciousness of God. Somebody shout me down right now. I'm making you think. That's really good. You know I'm quoting the Word. You know I'm quoting the Scripture. I've quoted probably 50 verses tonight. Thank you, Father. I gotta finish. I gotta finish. Okay. There, uh, but there were also false prophets among the people. Verse two. I mean, verse one of chapter two, First Peter chapter two. There were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, 
even denying the Lord who brought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. Everybody say destructive heresies. We were warned there would be false teachers that would bring those in. Oh, I don't believe that. I just I only confess the positive. God's positive, he's not negative. God's neither positive or negative. Those are human terms to describe God, and they both fall very short. God is not positive, and he's not negative. God is love, and God is light. God is God. You cannot read the New Testament from one end to the other without seeing judgments, disciplines, rebukes, corrections, instruction in righteousness in every single book that was written by His holy apostles. Of which Jesus said, You will be my apostles and you will speak my word. I will reveal things to you and everything that you say, others must follow. The only 12 people he said that to was the original 12, including Judas, who gave it up. Missed it. Became a false one. They have an infallibility in their words that was written in the Holy Writ. And all of them have correction, rebuke, instruction in righteousness. They decree and declare judgments in this life, not just at the great white throne judgment. And judgment is an amazing thing. We don't even understand judgment. I love saying all this kind of stuff and just messing people up. Because I know what will happen. It will set you on a search. You know the Lord is bringing forth true holy apostles and prophets that will bring the church back to the true doctrine of Jesus Christ. And it will cause an outpouring and a move of the Spirit. If I'm going to be functioning in the pulpit as his messenger, I want it to be totally what the Word says and not the traditions of men. And I don't want to have one emphasis of one move of God. I want to know what every one of them is saying and I want to fish for the truth by taking what they say and putting it next to the Bible. And I'm going to walk the floor and pray and intercede and fast and seek God, I will keep doing it. I've been doing it for 40 plus years. I'm going to keep going after God with all my heart. And one of these days, I'm going to fully obtain the prize. Him. Jesus. I'll behold Him face to face. I mean, for the final one. Not encounters I have. And they are the real thing. They are incredible. They are wonderful. They're glorious. I want more of them. But I want to behold Him and look in His eyes. I want to fall on my knees and grab His feet and kiss them. If I have a crown, I want to lay it at His feet with my forklift. It's going to be a big crown. Jesus' name. <laughs> I want to lay a big one at his feet. Don't you? Anybody want to lay a big one at his feet? Big crown. And you hear the words, him looking into your eyes. And not one thing inside of you blinks or drops. Not one thing goes, oh Lord. You're looking in his eyes and you hear the words, well done. 
enter into the joy of my kingdom. Imagine looking into the eyes of Jesus. Your own personal session. You know, we're going to be in eternity. It could last a few million years. I want to walk with him so close that I hang out with him like the twelve did in the eternal kingdom. Eternal ages to come. Worlds without end. Jesus. True prophets Make you want one. They make you want Jesus. True apostle. Their message is about Jesus, not about prophecy. We need to train people in spirituals. We need to train people in gifts and everything else. What you become is what you impart. You can impart things to people much faster than you can teach them. That's the reason I love to preach is because the anointing comes up within me and it, sometimes it just like any second I feel like I'm going to just go boom and blow up. It gets so strong on me. And I feel it down inside of me and I know that one day and one day soon it could be today. It could be tomorrow. That that power is going to start affecting people and touching people. I'll be in a hospital and it's just everybody in the hospital Take a group of teenagers in there with me or little children and make them walk around and talk about Jesus and it happened. And everybody is saying, these children came and emptied the hospital. Glory to Jesus. Glory to the Lamb. They preached Jesus. They were just like Jesus. They healed. Everybody there just started weeping and crying because they wanted Jesus. Can you see it? Guys running down the hall in their bedclothes with their back open. Jesus! Jesus! <laughs> no, people laughing, screaming, yelling, oh, glory! <laughs> I had to bring that in. <laughs> Real, just being real. <laughs> Jesus. It's about Jesus. He's come in the flesh. He's risen. The first piece of real estate to be burned up with fire. How many believe the, the earth is going to be burned up with fervent heat and the elements shall be consumed? How many believe that? That's a scripture. I just quoted a scripture. Second Peter. Let me give you a little foresight in that. Jesus' body was made of the earth earthly, was it not? Didn't he come in the likeness of sinful flesh that we have, yet without sin? Romans chapter 5. Physical body. Made of the earth. Earthly. And he ate food from the earth. He drank wine from the earth. 
drank water from the earth. He fed from the earth. His body went into the grave dead. And the fire of the glory of God came back into his body. I really love to emphasize this part right here. Uh, the Romans, the Jews, the sinners, no man took Jesus' life. They couldn't. The wages of sin is death. Death had no right to him. It could not have taken him. He would have gotten off of the cross, beat up, bloody, no blood in his veins, and walked around. He would not have died because he had no death warrant on him. Satan could not collect on his body because he had no sin. Jesus said from the cross, Father, into your hands I come in my spirit. And he gave up his spirit. He gave it up. He said, no one takes my life. I lay it down willingly. And I what? Pick it up again. He truly surrendered his life for us. Went through all the pain first. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief. We esteemed him, smitten, and stricken of God. He, him own self, bare our sins in his own body on the tree so that we would be dead to sin. Why would we be dead to sin? Because we were in him dying. The whole human race was. The first Adam was being put to death. When he rose from the dead, he was the first of the new creation. Isn't that what the scripture calls him in Corinthians? The first of the new creation. And he was the first of a new Adamic race. And, 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 and 1 Corinthians 15 calls him the, the second Adam. There's another race on the earth now. They're the, called the second Adam. We are in it. Others walking around the walking dead that are out there. The walking dead. They're dead to Christ. They're dead to God. They're the walking dead. And they're of the first Adam. And without Christ they have no hope. Without God. And the wrath of God abides on them. quoting scripture Romans first four chapters gives us insights in that this, this, the teaching of this glorious gospel and the preaching of this glorious gospel has to be reestablished by true apostles and prophets well are you saying you're one I'll let the Lord say that I can tell you all the Encounters and all the things and things like that. That's my testimony. The testimony of Jesus Christ, which is my whole spirit prophecy. That's all I have. I have no nothing to prophesy but Jesus. Because everything else died. In agreement, can you say an amen? It's you I'm talking about. really knew 
And Jesus Christ has now come in your flesh. And if somebody tells you, you don't know God, that's an antichrist spirit. Don't let it bother you. They said to Jesus, you're of your father, the devil. You cast out demons with demons. Why would you not have to hear that too? Do you know I've had people call me false prophet? Some pretty famous people. National radio, TV, I was declared to be a false prophet. Every true prophet I know has been called a false prophet. And so is every false prophet. And you know what? We're all worried that somebody will call us a false prophet. Well, if they don't call you a false prophet, you're probably not one. A true They'll call you all manner of things. What does that have to do with anything? If they did it to the Lord, your Lord, won't they do it to you? Oh, not me. I'm, no, 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 I'm not confessing that. Okay, that's okay. I'll take your part. Because for, for every suffering of Christ, according to Second Peter, First Peter chapter 4, the spirit of glory and of God will rest upon me. For the suffering of his name's sake. You go through all kinds of dislikes and people disgusted with you and family members and everything. And you say, well, I don't get it. I'm doing nothing wrong. That's the whole point. <laughs> You're supposed to be called names. It's your badge of glory. If you glory in tribulations, you'll get the glory. If you don't, you won't. If you lift your hands and thank God when you're tried, tested, and say, I praise you and thank you that I've been found worthy to be persecuted for your name, the glory of God will fill you. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached for a witness, and then will the end come. The end of what? The end of the world? Yeah, the end of the world system, and the end of demonic strongholds, and the power of Satan, which is a lying, deceptive power, which is not real. He has no power. Jesus stripped him. The end of darkness will cease to be on planet Earth. Because the whole earth will have what Jesus had happened to him. When the glory went into his body and fused his atoms and removed everything that was temporary and fused his atoms with eternal life. The life that he actually already had in him and was still in his bones. If it was in Elisha's bones, why wouldn't it be in Jesus's? is in you right now. Some of us here are going to die before Jesus returns. Unless he comes like tonight. Could. 
I don't believe in that, but I guess God could surprise everybody with fulfilling every one of the doctrines all at one time and everybody be blown away and none of them look like anything we knew. Personally, that's what I think is going to happen. I don't think we're smart enough for him to give us that yet. He's coming. So Jesus is laying there in the grave and the glory of God flares up in him. And his earthen body is burned up and the elements are consumed by fire. And he's transformed and transfigured and translated. Anybody want some of that? He's going to do that in us at the resurrection, but he's going to do it to the whole planet. This whole planet was corrupted by sin. The sin warp entered into all of creation at the atomic level. The atoms with electrons, protons, neutrons, electrons, miniature little solar systems or whatever, We're made up of those. When sin came, the sin warp entered into all of creation. And all of creation received an infusion of corruption and decay. Romans 8 says so. The whole creation groans and travails earnestly, expectantly, waiting to be delivered from the bondage of corruption and brought back into the glorious freedom of the children of God. So the whole creation has a sin warp in it. Atoms actually they can they can get real they can blow them up now and look at them, and they wobble. They have a bad vibe in them, man. So does everything else. All of creation has a bad vibe in it. People say the creation sings. Oh, it's it's a groaning right now. It is groaning, expectantly wanting to be delivered. And the groaning you put it together and. And, and, and listen to the sound of it and it's music and we think it's beautiful but when we hear the music of the undefiled and the uncorrupted we are going to be dumbfounded and shocked at the music that we rejoiced in and loved God with in this life the comparison can't even be compared when he came and took me and I went up to be with him. He stood before him. He took me up in a tornado of light. All the colors were in it. Suddenly I was in the apple of his eye. And then I went into his eye and went in through his eye into heaven. And there was Jesus. And I stood before Jesus. What took me there and what brought the tornado of love was music. And I've never heard anything even close to it on this planet. And it raptured me. I went into ecstasies beyond anything as it began to happen. 
everything in heaven exudes it. Everything. And this creation used to exude the same music in every blade of grass before the fall. And it's coming again. True and false prophets are in the earth right now. The prophetic and, and, and prophets that we see and know right now are very, very immature. All of us. Compared to the kind of prophets he's going to raise up. Some have gone before us and have gone further. I'm very fortunate to have known all of the major prophets uh, that are, are really the real true ones. I've known a good good amount of them, not all of them, but a good amount of them personally and spent time with them and been friends with them and been fathered by them. So I'm very fortunate. And every one of them, every one of them said, well, right now, we're just acting like a bunch of teenagers. When I seen Enoch, I knew I had seen a true prophet. Elijah, they're they're in glory right now, so they're not like they were when they walked the earth. Even though they're in the same physical body that never tasted death, Enoch and Elijah, their body went through the rapture and transformation, transfiguration and translation way out of season and they're amazing and when I saw Enoch I thought he was Jesus and then I understood what the apostle John said When the man stood before him, people say it was an angel, it wasn't an angel, and told him things, and he fell down to worship him, Revelation 19. And he fell down to worship him, and he said, See that you do it not. I am a fellow prophet and, and, and one of your brethren. And John the apostle did not discern he was a man. He thought he was Jesus. What do you look like inside right now? That's what you want. Right now, inside, your spirit. Right now. Your spirit can't get any more mature. The Ancient of Days stepped inside of you. You can't do anything to add to it. Fasting, prayer, nothing will mature your spirit. Your soul has to. Spirit wants to grow. It wants to come out. It grows when we submit our soulish man and our outer man to the ways of God and choose that above our own selfish ways. That's the way of the cross. 
And that's where the glory is going to come. We're waiting for a great move of God to come and give us the glory. It's just going to encourage us and offer to us the ability to step into a faith that can take us there. A divine grace, a divine enablement, a divine influence upon the heart that's coming to move us into it. It's not going to fall on us like ripe fruit falls off a tree. You're going to have to pick the fruit. You're going to have to cooperate with the tree to partake of it. Tree of life. Isn't that excited? And you have the grace for it. And the mandate. I'm going to sum this up right, right now. The prophets that are arising right now. The school that we're doing is to train people. Tonight's uh, just a little taste of things that we can go into. I, you're called to encounters and transformations like you've never known before. People that have been there can give it to you. They can offer you the fruit tree, but it's not going to fall on you like ripe fruit. You will have to reach out to get it. The kingdom of God is at hand, but it's only going to be gotten if you stretch forth your hand. It's a cooperation. It's a passion, a desire, a I'm going for God type of heart cry that prophets are supposed to put, true prophets will put in their heart. That make you want to love the whole body of Christ. That make you want to no longer just follow one set of teaching or one movement or one man and say, I'm of Apollos. Oh, I'm of Paul. I'm of Cephas. Paul said, no, no, no. None of those did anything. Paul planted another one watered. It was a God that gives the increase. You've got to have the truth of God the Lord Jesus Christ, and love the whole body of Christ and become one and not be sectarian and feeling like, man, we got it. Nobody's got it like we do. Oh, somebody does out there all over the world. There's moves of God. There's moves of prayer movements that make Mike Bickle's movement. Mike said this. I already say this. He said, our prayer movement's very little. It's infantile. There's prayer movements that are hundreds of times bigger than this on planet Earth right now. Can you imagine what the prayer movement looks like in China? And it's not even organized. Well, have I wore you out with much revelation? I've had a lot of people tell me much learning have made me mad. I wanted to get you out by 9 o'clock and it's 9.17. I've just blown it again. Thank you, Father. Lord, I pray right now. By the way, I know very few false prophets. I know a lot of people that are in the prophetic, in 
the moves of God in America and around the world right now that are hanging in the balance as to whether they're going to go into this amazing deception that's coming or into the pure. <laughs> oh, what, what do I do? That's, that sounds scary. Well, fear not. Just go love Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Hear, O Israel. Listen for his voice. Walk with him. Spend time with him. Put him first. You won't miss it. And believe that he, the spirit of truth, will lead you and guide you into all truth. The spirit. So you can know the spirits. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I showed a photo here. Started last night. I got completely healed. Got completely healed. I mean, I was trying to figure out some way to not come. I mean, it was hard to walk across the house. I was just... Now I feel like a young man ready to run a race. Spirit of God. Fall afresh on us, Lord. Lead us and guide us. Strengthen us. Bring us forth. Uh, Lord, in Jesus' name, we rebuke all spirits of confusion that make you wonder. And be afraid maybe there's a false prophet somebody somewhere. They're everywhere. So what? Many have gone into the world. But there's true ones. The true ones always exalt the prophet like unto Moses, Jesus. He speaks to them. I don't want to hear any other prophet, do you? Any prophet Jesus? Thank you, Father, my Messiah, my King, my God, my Savior. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Brother, you have such a calling on your life. You have such a burning. Have I given you a word before? You have such a burning, such a calling, such an anointing on you for the uh, God to take you into a whole new thing. A whole new thing. You're grateful and thankful for what you're in. You want more. And, it, and it's increasing. But God is going to blow your mind. He's going to start showing you things. And it's really going to be Him. And I see this uh, total lack of fear of man that you won't be afraid to embrace things that maybe even sound different than what the norm is or what others may think or see. And uh, the hand of the Lord is upon you with a strong prophetic anointing and he wants to lead you and guide you and he wants to train you and equip you and he wants to strengthen you with all might according to his glorious power in the inner man. Thank you, Father. And so, just a little quick encouragement for you to go after God, to keep seeking, knocking, and asking. Just keep knocking, keep seeking, keep asking, and keep on asking. You know, I only asked God in faith one time. 
then I don't need to ask him again until I die. And that happens every night when I go to sleep. <laughs> then I'm resurrected in the morning. I've got to start asking again. I've got to start knocking again. I've got to start seeking again. And every day I practice death, burial, and resurrection. And so I raise the next day, and I go after him in a new way. Because every day is a new day. And the old has passed away. And I get to start over fresh every day. Every day. It's wonderful to wake up and say, I will bless the Lord at all times as praises in my mouth. This is the day you made, Lord. I'm going to worship you. I love you. Jump out of bed and start functioning like, you know, give me some coffee or something, you know. Going after God every day. Loving Him. Entering into Him. He's filling us. Sometimes it's hard to get in there. All the distractions. I release upon you the passionate burnings of God. I release upon you the true prophet Jesus. I release upon you the ability to discern and try the spirits. I release upon you power from on high. I release upon you and in you overflowing fountains and rivers of intercession and prayer and intimacy. I release upon you the quietness and calmness to soak before God and shut off your mind to think of nothing but beholding Jesus and loving and enjoying and let Him love you. I release that on you. The power of His grace and the sheer mercies of God. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Will everybody stand up for a minute and stretch your legs? Thank you, Father. I knew you should have preached tonight, Jen. We'd have been gone by now. Thank you, Father. We are a faith-based ministry and everything we do, we do in faith. I'm going to do something that us preachers love to do because we, in Reading here, I love the fact that there are people here that know about the value and the wonder of, of sowing seed and giving offerings to God. And I know that you have faith for that. And I know that there's something inside of you that loves to give to Jesus. And uh, we're going to do a love offering, but we only do love offerings because God so loved that He gave. And the nature of God is love. That's who and what He is. Isn't that true? And that that's who you are. Because He recreated you and gave you His nature. And so because you so love, you love to give. You live to give. How many here want to have a really productive ministry? That means you're going to be giving. You're going to be giving. You're going to be giving every day, all the time. You're going to be giving when you don't, when you can't, nothing left to give. And he'll take over. And he'll be there. You'll wait on him. And you'll give him time. And you'll give him everything that you've got. And you'll bear much fruit. So, Father God, I thank you right now for the opportunity to sow seed this night. This night. I always like to ask people 
the saints to take a minute and really look in their heart, drop all their shut down feelings about all the preachers talking about money. I wish he'd get it over with. Shut that down. Quite honestly, there isn't anybody here who's going to give, give us enough money to do what we need to do anyhow. But this is actually your opportunity to give to the Lord. To give to Jesus. To show Him that you love Him and you love this Word and you love what's going on here. And you want to sow back into it. As it's been sown into you, the good Word of God, now you can sow back and give to Jesus. Um, take, the, take the time right now, just real quick. Without being in a hurry, just listen. And listen to that prompting inside of you to do something in sowing seed right now. Now be faithful to say yes to that. Because in that seed is the pleasure of Jesus. There may be people here tonight need a breakthrough and you listen and really obey God. You ask Him, would this do that for me? Is this one of those times I'd really do this? It sounds kind of crazy. Because there are offerings that when you give them, you go through a breaking. And He gives you a breakthrough. a check, you can write it to Eagle's Nest you can bring your offering tonight anybody that wants to use your debit card if you need a card to fill out, raise your hand we have those available Marion's over here to the side if you want to run your debit card Father, I so thank you for each one that came tonight I ask that when they leave and go home tonight, they will be so fired up. I ask that you so stir them in the night season. They have visitations and dreams, manifestations of your spirit. I ask you to bless them. And they're going out and they're coming in in every area of life. I ask you to bless them with a generous heart and with a heart that is full of faith and ready to receive from you. Thank you for it.